Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we have a special program. We told you that we would have new resources to announce in the new year. Today, we are happy to announce the release of James Collins's brand new book entitled, The Twelve. This book is a study of the 12 minor prophets, their lives, and their messages for us today. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here to talk with James about this exciting new book. My latest book, The Twelve, was recently released by Beacon Street Press. The book is a study of the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, and I'm very excited about the release of The Twelve, and I'm also excited to talk about it on today's Watchmen on the Wall. Joining me to talk about The Twelve is Dr. Kenneth Hill. Dr. Hill is the president of Southwest Radio Ministries and he operates five radio stations in Northeast Tennessee. He's in Tennessee this week on business, so he's joining me by phone. Dr. Hill, welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall. Well, I'm delighted to be on the program, and I'm delighted to be talking with you about this new book. I've had the opportunity to hold it in my hands, and then before I could read it, one of the people in the office said, oh, I'd love to read that book, (laughs) and so off it went. So I haven't had a chance to take a look at it yet in depth. So maybe I can learn something about it when we talk today. Well, I hope so. I think it's a fun book. I think people will enjoy it. You don't see a lot about the minor prophets. No, most of the time, the major prophets are not even heard from anymore. That's true. So it's good that we're delving into the quote-unquote minor prophets. You've been on the staff here at Southwest Radio Church Ministries for about a year, not quite, but almost. Yes, sir. Your position is staff evangelist. Mm -hmm. There might be some listeners that are not yet familiar with you, although you've been on the program almost every day since you got with us. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? For example, what did you do before God brought you to Southwest? Well, I enlisted in the Army when I was a teenager. I was going along in my Army career, thought I was going to be a sergeant major, but then God called me to ministry. I was blessed, though, to be able to finish my Army career as a chaplain. I commissioned and became a chaplain. God really blessed that ministry, and I spent over 25 years on active duty. I retired from the Army early in 2017 and then accepted the call to serve as the senior pastor at a wonderful church in Kansas. But early in 2021, God called me here to Southwest Radio Ministries, and I'm very excited to be a part of the team. I'm very, very happily married. My wife, Amanda, and I have three wonderful kids, and we're blessed that our children are all living for Jesus, Dr. Hill. How old are those youngsters? Well, our oldest is about to turn 18. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have a daughter that's going to be 18 years old in a few months. Her name is Abigail. Our middle child is a boy. His name is Timothy. He is 15. And our youngest is John. He is about to be 12. I got all ages of kids. They're all still at home, but they're bright. Like I said, I'm thrilled that they're living for the Lord. That's an important thing. Oh, I am too. And that's a wonderful thing when you see the youngsters in your family growing up to love the Lord. And so we thank the Lord that you can give us that testimony. It's wonderful to know. Tell me a little bit more about your military experience, if you would, please. You were a chaplain. For how long were you in that position? I was in a chaplain's role for about 15 to 17 years, I think, if you count some of the training time that I did. 
was a tremendous ministry, especially the ministry when we were overseas. Of course, all of that was going on after September 11th. Most of my time as a chaplain coincided with 9-11, and for those last 17 or so years that I was in the Army, I served and went overseas. I never went to Afghanistan, but I spent a couple of tours in Iraq. I was over in Kuwait, spent some time in Panama, Ukraine, traveled around the world doing military ministry. That has equipped you, I think, in a very special and excellent way to be staff evangelist for Southwest. You have the opportunity to present the gospel, and you have the opportunity to do that in the position with what you do with Watchmen on the Wall, but also you're out speaking on the weekends, aren't you? Most every weekend, yes, sir. I'm somewhere. I try to be in a church almost every Sunday if possible. I do a lot of pulpit supply, fill in for pastors, travel around and speak at conferences and events. The thrill of my soul is to see people one to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I really hit the gospel hard. Every message that I preach is a gospel message, and you never know. You could be in a church full of people that you think everybody in that room is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but there could be one person there that's not, so I always have a gospel message. I've seen God do some amazing things. Amen. Well, now, it seems to me from your conversation that you enjoy your position as the evangelist on the staff. I do, yes, sir. This is a dream of mine. I was blessed to be mentored by Noah Hutchings. Dr. Larry Spargimino has also been almost like a father to me in a lot of ways. He's kind of like a Paul and I, Timothy. 25 or so years ago, Dr. Spargimino was a seminary professor of mine, and we became great friends. And all through my years as a chaplain, we stayed in touch, and and I would write to him, and he would send me books, and I would do Bible studies in Iraq from some of the books here at Southwest Radio Ministries. Every time I was back in the States and near Oklahoma, I was able to come and visit with him. We stayed in touch, and we've had a great relationship, great friendship through the years. And I've known about this ministry forever. I listened to the shows back in the 90s, early 2000s, listened to this program, listened to you on with Noah Hutchings and Dr. Linstead and all those great men of God and and was so blessed to be a a fan. I've been a fan for years, and now I have to pinch myself almost every day that while I'm sitting here in the same place, Larry Spargimino is sitting across from me, and we're doing radio programs. It's exciting, isn't it? It is. It's it's a dream come true for me. It is. I felt the same way when when I used to be with Noah. My, my, I'd listened to him all my life, and then I was getting to work with him. It was fantastic. Well, let's talk about this new book. You are a prolific writer, and I'm delighted that we're getting to see your talent. The 12 makes you think, first of all, oh, it must be something about the disciples. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's about the minor prophets. So let's begin by your defining for us the difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet. Well, it's interesting that you say that about the apostles, because I've had that question come up a couple of times now. But actually, in Old Testament canon, the Jews look at the 12 minor prophets as one book. So taken together, it's like a fifth 
prophetic book in the major prophets. They call that the book of the 12. So that's where I came up with the 12. But the difference in a minor prophet and a major prophet, Bible scholars classify those prophets of the Old Testament into two different groups. You've got major prophets and minor prophets. Now, there are four major prophets. That's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Those minor prophets, those pesky little minor prophets, are Hosea, Joel, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now, they call the major prophets major because they wrote longer prophecies. The minor prophets wrote shorter prophecies. That's why they're called minor prophets. But little as much when God is in it, and there's major messages in the writings of these minor prophets. And it has only to do with the length of the writing of the various prophets, correct? Right, right. Well, that's something for us to understand, because we're not talking about a message that has minor significance. We're talking about a book or a message that was shorter than those of the so-called major prophets. So that's important for us to write down and remember. So why'd you write about them anyway? It's not something that people are talking about every day at church, you know. So tell me, why did you write about them? I've always loved those messages, and about 20 or so years ago, I preached through the Minor Prophets, and I remember preaching through Obadiah, and when I said, turn in your Bible to Obadiah, the people all looked at me like my head was on fire. Everyone went for the table of contents. Most people didn't even know Obadiah was in their Bible. And I was researching this book, and I came across an article that said the prophets of the Bible are the most unread sections of the Bible. The prophets in general are unread, and they're recognized as difficult by most people to understand. This survey that I read said that 45% of Bible readers identify the Old Testament prophets as the most difficult to understand of all scriptures. So I kind of made it my mission to rescue the minor prophets from the bottom of the reading pool. It's my hope, it's my prayer that someone will pick this book up and that they'll get excited about the minor prophets and they'll do a study over it. And also, you know, we talked about my military career. In my travels in the military ministry, I've actually walked in the footsteps of these 12 men, literally and spiritually. Like Jonah, I preached to people in Nineveh. I actually stood there at the gates, the ruins of Nineveh, and preached to American servicemen when I was in Iraq. And also, like Jonah, there have been times in my life that I have ran from God. So I kind of feel sort of a connection with these 12. Well, most people think of foretelling the future when they think of prophets of any size, whether they're minor or major. But you say in your book that the biblical prophets were not primarily foretellers, but they were something else. What do you mean by that? Well, they did speak of future events, but that was not their primary role. They had a fourfold ministry. First, they had the ministry of repentance. They called the people to repent and called the people back to God. They also had a ministry of revival. They called them again to repent of their sin and return to God. They had a ministry of revelation. The Apostle Peter wrote that these prophets were moved or borne along by the Holy Ghost, and that's how God spoke through them. They foretold the Word, and they foretold 
the future. And the words of those prophets then were written down, and they're the very words of God speaking to us. And fourth, those prophets had a ministry of redirection. That's why I have this subtitle, Ancient Messages of Hope for Today's Dark World, because the people that the prophets wrote to, that they ministered to, were facing often times of heartache and challenge and adversity and despair, and it seemed like things were hopeless. And these prophets would stand up and direct the people's attention away from their problems and direct their attention back to God, who would give them hope. I find a hopeful message. It's not all doom and gloom, the messages of these prophets. Well, they were what we would call today an evangelist, weren't they? I think so. They were my kind of preachers. They were old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, leather-long, pound-on-the-pulpit preachers, you know. They preached God's Word, and they didn't care who they offended. They remind me, like you said, of evangelists. But they have some of the most relevant and contemporary messages that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. Today, our world needs to hear these messages. These minor prophets could stand in any pulpit today. They could stand before any crowd in America right now, and their message would be up to date. Their message would be life-changing. Their message would be the voice of God speaking to us today, and that's something that I think we need more of in this politically correct day that we live in. Don't we, though? We need to hear the voice of God, and it's important that the preacher who takes the pulpit also takes the pulpit with the Word of God, and that's of vital importance. Now, this book then, would you consider it to be a commentary on their writings? No, and it was not my intention to write a full commentary. A complete commentary over these 12 men would fill thousands of pages. Now, this book is just over 200 pages. It is intended to be incomplete. Like I said earlier, I wanted to sort of kind of whet people's appetite. It's my hope and my prayer that this will lead people into a deeper study of the 12 minor prophets. Well, I hope it will indeed. Now, throughout the book, you've got some different sections. One small section is called, Did You Know? Now, tell me about that. That was my way of adding little nuggets. I couldn't do a full commentary, but I could add little nuggets of prophecy and Bible teaching into the book. There's so much teaching that I wanted to do, but again, the book's not a full commentary. So I used small sections called Did You Know to add some extra stuff. For example, in the chapter on Obadiah, I wrote, Did you know Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament? It's only a mere 21 verses long. And so I included these Did You Know segments running throughout the entire book. Well, that sounds like something that might be eye-catching and thought-provoking as you point out the various kinds of, well, we won't call it trivia, but it could be called Bible trivia, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You end each of the 12 chapters with a section that's called A Moment of Prophecy. Now, why did you do that? Like we talked about earlier, each of the 12 prophets did speak to future events, but that was not their primary role. I did, though, however, want to include something prophetic from each of the 12, so I added a little segment about Bible prophecy to the end of each chapter. Well, when you did that, was it hard to find that? No, you would think it would be, because, I mean, you think about Jonah. We know the story of Jonah. We know that he 
was a prophet who ran from God, a fugitive, if you will, from God. And we know that story of him being swallowed and being spit up and going on to Nineveh. So where is the Bible prophecy in that particular story? Well, you have to look at types and shadows or or things like that. So I tried to add a little segment about Bible prophecy at the end of each chapter. Did a lot of research, a lot of homework, read a lot of books, and had to dig a little bit, but it wasn't that difficult. No, sir. Well, it is true, is it not, that the scarlet thread of redemption runs from Genesis to Revelation, and the prophecies of God also run from Genesis to Revelation? Absolutely. We look back at Genesis 3.15, and we see that prophecy right there in the very beginning about the seed of the woman and the serpent. So we know that Bible prophecy runs throughout the entire book. People say sometimes, well, you know, if you ignore Bible prophecy, you ignore, oh, a quarter or a third of the Word of God. I think if you ignore Bible prophecy, you ignore the entire book, because the entire book is prophetic. You don't have much left if you ignore prophecy. That's right. And there's not much to study. You have this subtitle that we've talked about, Ancient Messages of Hope for Today's Dark World. Do you see today as a dark time? I believe we live in a world that's getting darker and darker. Every day we see Bible prophecy being fulfilled, but we have hope. We know the rapture of the church could happen at any moment. I think it was Adrian Rogers who said, things are growing gloriously dark. And by that, he meant that those who know Christ don't have to fear the dark days because we're going to escape the coming tribulation that these prophets talk so much about in the rapture. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can get their copy? Well, sure, they can get a copy of the book by calling 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. That book is called The Twelve. The author is James Collins. James, thanks for letting me be on this program today with you. The Watchman on the Wall is a very important program with a very important set of topics, and thank you for talking with me today. Dr. Hill, it's always a pleasure. In the Resource Center this week, we are excited to offer James Collins' brand new book on the Minor Prophets entitled, The Twelve. In the messages of the Twelve Minor Prophets, there is a recurring theme. That theme is hope. While it's true that these prophets speak of God's judgment, their messages were more than doom and gloom. God not only gave these twelve men some of the most incredible predictions for the future, but He also gave them practical ways to live today and an optimistic view of an amazing life to come. The twelve, known as minor prophets, were the courageous and true spokesmen of God during the time of the great Assyrian, Babylonian, and Persian empires. They preached God's word, and they didn't care who they offended. Even though they preached thousands of years ago, they have some of the most relevant and contemporary messages that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. New Year, New Resource. The Twelve by James Collins. Get copies for you and for your church. Order The Twelve today when you call 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Disease, sickness, pestilence. 
What does the Bible say about pestilence? And is COVID and pestilence spoken of in Scripture the same thing? Marvin McIlvaney answers this question in today's Bible in the News Report. Everybody wants to know the future. People spend millions of dollars each year on psychics, mediums, and tarot card readers. The Psychic Friends Network was launched in 1991. According to an article in Slate magazine titled, What Psychic Friends Failed to Foresee, Psychic Friends infomercials had been among the most popular in history. Between 1993 and 1994, they aired more than 12,000 times, and at one point, the parent company called Infonmation was shelling out half a million dollars a week to buy airtime on cable stations. It was money well spent. At its peak, Psychic Friends was bringing in as much as $125 million a year, most of it through those infomercials. It was also reported that the psychic business tried to focus on establishing continuing relationships between individual psychics and their customers. Someone would call and say, I don't want to talk to just any psychic. I want to speak to Claire. Presented in a talk show-like format and hosted by singer Dionne Warwick and, quote, psychic Linda Georgian, each installment featured a 1-900 number for viewers to call to consult a psychic at the rate of $3.99 per minute. According to Jack Schemer, publisher of Response TV, a magazine that tracked the direct response television industry, the Psychic Friends Network had the most successful infomercial of all time. Everybody wants to know the future. Even the disciples wanted to know the future. They came to Jesus and asked him in Matthew 24, 3, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him, saying privately, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. One of the biggest signs of the end times is deception. We see a lot of that these days. People are not sure what to believe. Fake news is just one example of deception. Another thing Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24-7 is, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes, in divers places. What exactly is a pestilence? The Webster's Dictionary said it is a contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent and devastating. What's the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic? An outbreak is called an epidemic when there is a sudden increase in cases. As COVID-19 began spreading in Wuhan, China, it became an epidemic because the disease then spread across several countries and affected a larger number of people. It was classified as a pandemic. According to historians, pandemics typically have two types of endings. The medical, which occurs when the cases and death rates plummet, and the social, when the fear of the disease begins to decrease or decline. When people ask, when will this end? They are asking about the social ending, said Dr. Jeremy Green, a historian of medicine at Johns Hopkins. In other words, an end can occur not because the disease has been conquered or beaten, but because people grow tired of the panic mode 
and learn to live with a disease. An epidemic of fear can occur even without an epidemic of illness. Dr. Susan Murray of the Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin saw that firsthand in 2014 when she worked at a hospital in Ireland. In the preceding months, more than 11,000 people in West Africa had died from Ebola, a terrifying viral disease that was highly infectious and very often fatal. The epidemic seemed to be waning, and no cases had occurred in Ireland, but the public fear was palpable. Does that sound like anything that is happening now? And what's the difference between other pandemics of the past, such as the Spanish flu? The Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, the deadliest in history, infected an estimated 500 million people worldwide, about one-third of the planet's population, and killed an estimated 20 million to 50 million victims, including some 675,000 Americans. The 1918 flu was first observed in Europe, the United States, and parts of Asia before swiftly spreading around the world. At the time, there were no effective drugs or vaccines to treat this killer flu strain. Citizens were ordered to wear masks, schools, theaters, and businesses were shuttered, and bodies piled up in makeshift morgues before the virus ended its deadly global march. What's the difference between that and now? Sure, we have better medicines and treatments. The difference is, Israel is a nation again. Everything that happens now should be viewed through the lens of Israel. Israel is God's prophetic clock. The Jews' return to the Holy Land is the sure sign that God's promises and prophecies are true and are coming to pass. Even secular friends of mine can see the decline and coming fall of so-called civilized nations. I first noticed feeling odd after I took my son to the airport. When I got home, I slept for 12 straight hours. After I woke up, I was dizzy and disoriented. I had a dry, hacking cough. My head hurt. Then it dawned on me. Maybe I have COVID because I never get sick. I got tested the next morning and I was told I didn't have it. But I got sicker. Walking to the bathroom or living room required a 15-minute rest period. After a few days of not being able to get a good breath, I called for help. Thank God these wonderful healthcare workers came to my house and gave me some treatment. They ran three tests on me, and the third test said I was positive for COVID-19. Finally, a few days later, I began to feel better. I will spare you the parts I wish to forget. I just never thought I would get it. I never get sick. How about you? It seems everyone has been affected in some way. Whether you lost your job, know someone who did, got sick or know someone who did, if they passed away or were hospitalized, maybe you're going through it right now. Everyone has a story about this pandemic. Like the song goes, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Everyone wants to know the future. Jesus tells us what will happen. Jesus says that in the last days, there will be pestilences, plural, more than one. So the question isn't what will the next one be like or when will it arrive. The question is, will I trust God to see me through whatever is coming? Someone said, you can't kill a Christian. You can only change their address. We should look at this as a reminder that we are not in control of anything. We must always be dependent on God. We should be grateful for all the things we have, for food, for our homes, and our good health. Thank God for reminding us life is fragile, and we should thank Him every day that we have. We read in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Get James Collins' new book, The Twelve, and our 2022 prophecy calendar, which is based on The Twelve, both for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or online, swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.